This is You Talking To Me, the podcast that takes a classic movie, a 14-year-old boy, and puts them together to see what happens next. James has never seen any of the films before, and he may not thank me for making them watch them. This is Man Vs. Boy, Film Analysis. Hi, and welcome to You Talking To Me. For each episode, we take a classic movie for James to view for the first time, and we watch it together. From this shared experience, we discuss what we both thought of it, and see if it still deserves its classic status. In this episode, we'll be talking about Billy Wilder's legendary comedy, Some Like It Hot. Hiya, James. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Good. When choosing films for this podcast, this has been the first that you knew absolutely nothing about, James. Yes. I even asked that you didn't look at the poster or any images or that you looked up anything about it at all. For me, it made watching it with you very interesting. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a bit. Released in 1959 and written by Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond, Some Like It Hot is considered one of the best comedy movies ever made and cemented Marilyn Monroe as a true megastar. On paper, it's a tricky mix of gangland murder, romantic comedy and cross-dressing, but works faultlessly on almost every level. Set in a Prohibition era 1929, this is a period movie that starts in Chicago and uses the real-life St. Valentine's Day Massacre as a starting point, as jazz musicians Joe, Tony Curtis, and Jerry, Jack Lemon witness a multiple murder perpetrated by Spats Columbo, played by George Raft, and his gang. Fearing for their lives, Joe and Jerry flee Chicago by taking the only job available as they don drag and head for Miami as saxophonist Josephine mm-hmm. and bass player Daphne. To complicate matters further, both men become infatuated by the band's singer and ukulele player Sugar Kane, played by Marilyn Monroe. James, what were the reviews like and how is the film rated? So, um, IMDb gives it 8.2 out of 10. Metacritic gives it 98 out of 100. Ooh, okay. Empire gives it 5 stars. The Guardian gives it 5 stars. Letterboxd gives it 4.1. And... Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this yet, but James gives it 10 out of 10. (laughs) The American Film Institute considers this the best comedy of all time. In its top 100, it's placed at 22. Uh, The BFI has it at 42 in its best 100 movies. You've got to bear in mind, James, that uh, Casablanca is 84 on that list. Really? So that's uh, that's how well ranked it is there. Yeah. Uh, Released in the same year, 1959, with Ben-Hur, Hitchcock's North by Northwest, and Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder. The film was released in black and white by choice. This was to enhance the period setting and to tone down the heavy makeup um, on Curtis and Lemon. Okay, James, so I purposefully kept the plot of the film from you, yeah. uh, knowing that it starts as something else. What you got was a crime movie about sort of a liquor bust in a speakeasy. What did you think at the start of this? So, as we were watching it, I think the very first like moments or scene is like a car chase and I was like, oh, nice, it's going to be like a crime movie, it'll be like gangsters and stuff, it's going to be cool. And then, as the movie went on, I thought it was a comedy because the characters were funny, 
and then I was like really confused as to why they're dressed up as women and I found it really funny and I was like okay so it's a gangster movie where people dress up as women so you you're coming at it from knowing absolutely nothing at all I think you might actually be sort of the first person to ever watch this film who didn't know anything about it at all yeah probably it was marketed as two famous people uh, you know dressing up as women and suddenly you know here are these two actors dressed up in drag <laughs> ordinarily I guess people knew what to expect when watching this but you didn't at all but you really really liked it yeah I really did I think one of the reasons why I like us watching these films together is for reasons like that. So I'm, I was sitting watching it with you, and I know what I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, when's he going to get it? When's he going to get? Mm-hmm. When's he, the penny's going to drop? And he realizes actually what this film is about and where it's going. Obviously, the main plot is just a device to put Joe and Jerry in a situation where they're forced to become Josephine and Daphne <laughs> um, and pass themselves off as part of an all-girl jazz band. I really liked the first scene when you see Josephine and Daphne arrive at the train station. Yeah. I think what's so good about it and why it's funnier than it perhaps it could be is that, and I was thinking about this, if they made that film today we would have a montage of their transformation. We would yeah, have, definitely. you know, close-ups of, you know, applying lipstick, putting their wigs on, mm-hmm. you know, that would be the big scene. Yeah. But actually, to cut from one scene straight to them, walking down that platform, in their heels, arguably for the first time, dressed up as women, full face of makeup, that's why that's so funny. Yeah, it really takes you by surprise. If you didn't know they like weren't women, you would think they were women. So you can see why they. So fell do you think that was quite successful? Do you think the do you think they were believable as two middle-aged women? Yeah, definitely. So we've just had twenty minutes of kind of sort of gritty crime movie, and then bam, here's these two Hollywood actors dressed up as ladies. They're both really, really good, I have mm-hmm. to say. Both performances are brilliant. We'll talk about that in a minute. This scene is also the first time we meet Marilyn Monroe's sugar cane. Yeah. And immediately, Joe and Jerry are competing for her attention whilst trying to remember that they're supposed to be women. Yeah. And trying to fit in with the all-girl band that they've just met. So the tone of the film suddenly shifts. Yeah. We've gone from all this gangster stuff and suddenly it's full-on knockabout comedy. What did you think? I uh, So I thought that part especially was... Um, it almost seemed like something that like out of Looney Tunes, you know, when like they see like a, a hot woman going past and like <laughs> yeah. their mouths drop and their yeah, eyes yeah, like yeah. go out their sockets. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. And it has that sort of pace as well. It's almost, mm-hmm. yeah, almost cartoonish. So whilst there's laughs and sort of a bit of farce, on the train to Miami, which is where the uh, where their gig is, yeah. this section kind of really serves as a means for Joe and Jerry to get used to being Josephine and Daphne, yeah. and for us to get to know their characters, because they're now playing different characters, <laughs> yeah. as well as the audience getting to know uh, Sugar Cane, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. I think we should probably talk about the performances of the three leads. Yeah. Just so you know... By 1959, Marilyn Monroe was considered a sex symbol and become famous in a string of popular films throughout the 1950s, including The Seven Year Itch for Billy Wilder, who's the director of this film, and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And she has top billing 
for Some Like It Hot, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, she definitely wasn't like the main character. Was she the most famous out of everyone? Yeah, oh, most definitely. Tony Curtis is already an established actor and movie star Mm -hmm. by this time. But Jack Lemmon, he's kind of still sort of making his way up. So um, he's been in things, but really he's like an up... He's the up-and-coming actor in this. But he gives it everything. What did you think of Jack Lemmon's Daphne? I think he really, like, enjoyed being a woman more than Josephine did. Jerry, as Daphne, has decided to be this kind of fun-loving, full of energy. She mixes Mm -hmm. with the girls in the band. I think you're right. I think that he's sort of more into it. And I think in reality, I think Jack Lemmon was more into it than Tony Curtis. Yeah. So whilst you've got this the sort of flamboyance of Daphne, you know, mixing with all the girls mm-hmm. and having a great time, um, I actually really liked the contrast with Tony Curtis as Josephine. Yeah. Because he's kind of more reserved, you know. He's yeah. sort of almost quite graceful, quite grand. Yeah, I mean, Jack Lemmon, he's great in this kind of role. He'd made, I think he ended up making sort of seven films with Billy Wilder that's nice. been Oscar nominated. Yeah. And also for Tony Curtis. So whilst, you know, he's playing Joe the saxophonist and he's playing Josephine the lady, he yeah. then has a third role because he also yeah. plays, you know, the suave millionaire who is sort of referred to in the film as Shell Oil or Junior. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of playing three roles within the film yeah each of them are sort of slightly different their their mannerisms and the way they carry themselves is all different do you know Cary Grant I recognise the name but I don't we'll watch some of his films we'll definitely watch North by Northwest so he's sort of impersonating Cary Grant when he is in that other role I like the sort of total joy of Jack Lemmon as Daphne but I think I preferred Tony Curtis it seems like he's definitely thought out more he already knew what he was doing when he became junior. Did you know either of them? Do you know Jack Lemmon? Do you know Tony Curtis? No, I don't think so. Tony Curtis is in one of the films in my top 20, which mm-hmm. is a film called The Sweet Smell of Success. Black and white movie with Burt Lancaster. Just hunt that out and watch that. That's really, really good. I will. What did you know about Marilyn Monroe before we watched this film? I never realised she was an actor. I just thought she was like a model. Because okay. I'd seen like the Andy Warhol photos and that was like it and i knew that she was like a massive pop culture figure but like that's all i really knew about her yeah she was a model to start and then moved into acting she took her acting quite seriously actually she took acting lessons and i think she had her own production company at one point so she she was very career-minded yeah in this she's singing she's acting she's doing comedy like I said, you know, she had top billing. Yeah, she was a huge star, probably world famous by this point. And in those days, that was quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. So like this iconic cultural figure, still recognisable across the globe. Yeah. But did have a troubled private life and did struggle with addiction. I'm not I'm not going to go into that now. But certainly Billy Wilder, the director, sometimes found it hard to work with Marilyn Monroe in this film. Yeah. And there's famously stories of it needing sort of 80 three takes just for Marilyn Monroe to say where's the bourbon with her back to the camera Mm -hmm. yeah there's lots of stories like that but Billy Wilder called her a complicated girl and kind of recalled her having lapses of memory he says that whilst you know she could master pages of dialogue 
but actually would struggle with just one line every now and again. But I think she's great throughout the film. She's just what this film needs. I agree. What she plays and how she plays it is entirely in tune Mm -hmm. with how this film is supposed to come across. Yeah. She seemed like very versatile in the movie because, as you said, she does like comedy and um, singing and stuff. She didn't like being typecast as the kind of dumb blonde. Yeah. And, and rightly so, but she did do dramatic roles. The last film she was in that was released was called The Misfits, and that's yeah. a John Huston film. And she's good in that. She is good in that. She does some proper mm-hmm. acting in that. Yeah, I feel like the movie really wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for her. Absolutely. Once they arrive in Miami, the film doesn't let up for a second. The pace, James, in this film is insane. Yeah, like there's not a single moment in the whole movie where something isn't happening. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I think you get drawn into it and, um, you know, you have to have all that stuff at the start with the gangland stuff and all that Mm -hmm. to set the scene. But once they're away, it's sort of relentless and the dialogue is fast and the script is, is amazing. This is a two-hour comedy film, and two-hour comedy films are rare. Yeah. Especially ones that work as well as this. But this races along from scene to scene. The script is full of quick-fire dialogue. We were laughing. Literally, yeah. we were laughing quite a lot all the mm-hmm. way through this film, to the point where I think we were missing the next joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we were laughing at the last one. When they're there, when they get to Miami, and um, they're playing as part of a Sweet Sue's band, mm-hmm. and... Josephine and Daphne become a bit more comfortable in their roles with Daphne staying in character despite the advances of kind of millionaire Osgood Fielding III, played by Joe E. Brown. Yeah. And this is where Joe starts actively pursuing sugar in the guise of, as we said earlier, this kind of oil tycoon's son. And there's just loads of element of farce in this. So the scene where... He first meets Sugar on the beach and that bit where they have to race back to the hotel room. Jerry drags Sugar back to the hotel to try and catch out Mm -hmm. Joe, Josephine, who's supposed to be in the bath. Yeah. All of that stuff. That's great. That's like proper farce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a sort of a breakneck pace. It carries you along. It's quite infectious. We were sort of riding along with it. Do you think it sort of lives up to its reputation of the best comedy of all time? Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm glad I didn't know it had a reputation beforehand because at the start I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is just like a standard comedy movie. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is amazing. That's interesting you say that because when we watched Casablanca, you struggled with the fact that it was so lauded and such a big famous film that it spoilt your first viewing of the film. And then you went back and watched it again, Mm -hmm. trying to put all of that stuff aside. I've seen it a few times, but I haven't seen it in a while. And the bit that got me is when Jerry, as Daphne, admits that he's engaged to, to Osgood, you yeah. know, as a gag. It's so unexpected, it like sort of totally floors you, you know. Mm. Did you have like a favourite bit? Um, I did really like that bit because it kind of takes you by surprise because she must have gone out of her way to keep in character. They had a great night, they were dancing the yeah, tango definitely. all night. Totally carried away in the moment, yeah. you know, just forgetting. So used mm-hmm. to being a, a lady, got caught up in the romance yeah. of the whole thing, and they're amazing. But uh, I also really liked the part towards the end where they were, um, like, running around the whole building trying to get away from the gangsters, and they, like, 
there was one point where they ran up the stairs as men and then came down the lift as women. That's brilliant. Quick change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant. And that bit where they're running around trying to sort of avoid the gangsters. And they're in those heels. They're running around. They're running like men, Mm -hmm. but they're running around in these high heels. Absolutely brilliant. So by this point, Jerry and Joe are working together to help Joe woo sugar. So Osgood invites Daphne for dinner on his yacht but is convinced to stay on shore so that Joe, as Shell Oil Jr., can pass the boat off as his own mm-hmm. and impress Sugar. I, I kind of feel like Jerry was a bit jealous of Joe. At the start, it kind of seemed like he liked her more than Joe did, but um, I'm glad that he liked Oswald at the end. I think that all those dynamics are quite complex in reality, but they work really, really fluidly in the film. Yeah, like... Remember at the start when they were in the train, he wasn't even like trying at all, whereas Daphne was like, oh yeah, come in here, let's like have yeah. a party. <laughs> and he was just like, went into the bathroom. And, and yeah, yeah, over. he was sort of annoyed about it because he thought that the cover was going to get blown. But at that point, Joe is still worried about the fact that they are on the run, mm-hmm. whereas Jerry is just, you know, great, let's have some fun. And yeah. here's, this, here's this attractive lady. So comedy and the situations and the farce elements of it all build and then to notch the craziness up just a bit more spats who they're on the run from from chicago and his gang turn up at the hotel for a meeting with all the other kind of gang bosses and joe and jerry are recognized and that's when it flips yeah. and just becomes this crazy final kind of 20 odd minutes of the film mm-hmm I really liked like the cake part where they had like rushed into the, um, the like the dining room. Mm-hmm. But they end up in the room where they're yeah. all, all of the gang bosses and all of their mm-hmm. crew are all going to be. Conveniently, Spatz is is murdered, but they're still on the run. There's still there's still people trying to yeah. get them. It's almost like as if the film wasn't as fast paced enough. There's so much going on. There's so much to resolve, and the film kind of races to its conclusion whilst still being funny, yeah. while still being full of great lines. Mm-hmm. Watching you watching it, I think at the start we were kind of hesitant. Why is why are we watching this film? You know, yeah. this, is, this is supposed to be classics, and then I think. I don't know if it was on the train that you thought, oh, okay, this is great. So when they had gone to the, the like the interview to see if they could get the job, right? And then the realization hits when they have to go and pretend to be women. I think that was like, okay, now this is going to be amazing. There's a long history of films with people dressing up as members of the opposite sex mm-hmm. for comedy value, and sometimes yeah. sometimes not for comedy value. There's lots of films where cross dressing is done for dramatic effect. Yeah. Someone is in hiding, and you've seen. Quite a few. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> You've not seen Tootsie, I don't think. That's really good. 1982, Dustin Hoffman. Really no, good No, I have heard of it, though. Oh, yeah. Psycho. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Norman dresses up as his mum. So this isn't even the first one we've done on this podcast. Oh, my God. We've done cross-dressing before. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even realise, James. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're sort of racing towards the end of the film. Yeah. And Osgood is convinced to take Daphne and Josephine, who has by this point confessed everything to Sugar. Yeah. And Sugar away on his yacht. And then we come to the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. 
we've talked about other films that we've that we've done podcasts for already but just when you thought Casablanca had the most famous last line yeah. of any film ever this film probably has the mother of all last lines mm-hmm. and it's a joke so what did you think about that I thought that it was like such a good way to end the movie because um like it's hilarious throughout the whole thing. It's like they save the best till last. Yeah, absolutely. It's there's this kind of build up to it as well, isn't there? So Jerry as Daphne is telling Osgood all the reasons why they can't get married and Osgood just isn't phased by any of them. And then in desperation almost, because Osgood's just not having any of it, yeah. Jerry rips off his wig, tells the truth, mm-hmm. and there it is, the best last line and a perfect end of the film because the film just ends yeah. you know probably quite risque in 1959 the, the connotations of what that means yeah but uh you know obviously it's suggesting that osgood will just accept daphne no matter what what a great conclusion that mm-hmm. is do you think they got married in the end or do you think daphne <laughs> was kind of just like no i don't know i was gonna say i think like a lot of the jokes in it are very like before their time hmm it's just really interesting to watch how people from the 1950s thought about like being women. Yeah, there's a bit in it where I think does one of them get touched on the bum? Yeah, or some, and, yeah. Um, Oswald touches Daphne. Daphne. And Joe says, or, "Now you know how it yeah. is for women." You know, I mean, the, in terms of the last line, it works like all the best jokes in the film work, yeah. which is it is totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is such a great moment because the, the last thing you're expecting is the thing that actually happens and that's yeah. why it works so well. In a way, I was kind of sad it didn't keep going because I would like to see like the conversation after or yeah. it wasn't just like in the moment. So, so what did you think overall? I thought it was very, very good. Yeah, as I said earlier, I'd say it's a 10 out of 10. Whenever we watch these films, we try not to talk about them too much afterwards until we start recording. And I sort of couldn't guess whether you really liked it or just yeah. kind of thought it was okay. You were like, oh yeah, what did you think of that then? And I sounded kind of disappointed, like I, maybe I wouldn't have liked it that much. Because you didn't say much, I think I thought, oh, oh right, maybe you didn't like it. Because I really enjoyed watching it again. Yeah. But I'm, now I'm really pleased. I think you've put it in your top 20. Yeah, it is number 20 in my top 20. And when I told you that, you were like he's filled with joy and so surprised <laughs> i was surprised because i think it's great that you would embrace it like that i'm really really pleased that you like it as much as all the other people who yeah think, who think this film is excellent so i think three of the movies we've done in this podcast are in my top 100 <laughs> and do you think it's funny that you have a top 100 i have a top 150 <laughs> which is <laughs> i've I struggled with a top 20 to be yeah honest. i find it funny how We've watched films like Casablanca and 2001 A Space Odyssey and all stuff like that. I think this is better than all of them, which is kind of Oh, really? Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. And it's weird because a movie that I'd never heard of before watching the movie is better than these classics. Maybe going into it without any baggage, going into it completely pure... You don't know anything about it. Yeah. You have no idea at all. Maybe that has led to an outcome where you had no preconceptions. You wasn't built up. You didn't tell you it was considered the greatest comedy of all time. Didn't mention any of that. Mm-hmm. Didn't even tell you it was a comedy. Yeah. And like even when you told me, oh, yeah, we should do this one. I was like, I don't even know what that is. I must have not heard of it, so it must not be the best thing ever. <laughs> but it is the best thing ever. Oh, I'm so genuinely pleased. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. So, what was your favourite scene? 
Oh, I think they're moments more than scenes. There's so many lines that are just thrown away. Not tonight, Josephine. You know, yeah. all that stuff. It's so good. So, yeah, it's really hard to kind of sort of pick scenes. That whole sequence where you've got Jerry having the time of his life, dancing the night away with Osgood and yeah. Joe as Shell Oil Jr., the music in the background on the boat was like romantic music and and then there was like quick cuts to them just <laughs> dancing and it was just really funny i think it's funny that daphne you know resisting the attention of of osgood for so much of the film and just obviously just thinks ah what the hell you know i'm having yeah. i'm having a good time mm-hmm. just to go with it who was your favorite character do you know what? My instant thought was Joe slash Josephine, but yeah. I'm probably going to say Sugar Cane, actually. Really? What was interesting is that it's really just the three of them, or the five of them, depending on <laughs> yeah. how you look at it. So all the other actors in it who are all very good, we haven't really mentioned many of them, because their parts are quite small in comparison to yeah. the three leads. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your favourite black and white movie? This was made in black and white on purpose. Yeah. So is it... What's your favourite film that's in black and white that could have been made in colour, but they decided to make it in black and white like this? Yeah. Or what's your favourite black and white movie? Or am I overcomplicating it? Actually, here we are again. Psycho didn't have to be in black and white. Psycho could have been in colour, and they chose to make it in black and white. Mm -hmm. I'd say my favourite black and white movie that didn't have to be black and white is either Lahane, Roma, or Ah, this movie. Roma. Mm-hmm. actual black and white movies i.e. their old movies so Casablanca The Third Man Sweet Smell of Success I said that's a really good one that's black mm-hmm. and white Seven Samurai I need to watch more black and white movies it would seem there are there is considerably large amount of black and white movies I've got yeah. a fact for you James Tony Curtis yeah is married to Janet Lee mm. from Psycho and their daughter is Jamie Lee Curtis really? yeah okay James I'm pleased you really like the film same yeah if you're listening and you've downloaded thank you for your support please can you recommend the podcast if you like it and please can you give us a positive ranking or a positive review or both on apple podcasts that would be wonderful you can follow us on twitter at talking film that's talking with no g at the end and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts see you next time see ya What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Kurosawa, isn't it?